welcome to another episode of Rotating Reels, the film review podcast where we alternate between new releases and favorites recommended by the co-hosts. Calling in from Portland, Oregon, I'm one of your hosts, Keegan Tran, and with me today we only have one co-host. Calling in from Seattle, Washington, Hank Showalter. My dad was also a wolf. <laughs> We're really getting into it. Uh, and so yeah, we only have one co-host today, it's just the two of us, uh, and this is not a case of Taylor running away again. I know he said in his last review that he had finally gotten away, and he was excited to uh, be gone and that we pulled him back. But uh, because this movie that we'll be reviewing today, uh, Wolf Children, directed by Mamoru Hosoda, uh, is not available to stream legally anywhere, all three of us tried to order the Blu-ray so we could watch this review. Taylor's unfortunately did not arrive in time, so he did not get a chance to watch this movie despite now having an active order out for a Blu-ray copy of it. So he'll watch it eventually, but uh, he is not going to be joining us today. He will, however, be joining us later this evening for our recorded interview with Bao Tran, the director of Paper Tigers. movie that Taylor recommended to all of us and we all really really liked so I'm super stoked to talk to the director of that movie Uh, be sure to join in for that episode but we have plenty of stuff to talk about here today so again before we uh, even start talking about Wolf Children we have our uh, our beloved segment what we've been watching so again Hank I think we're we're pretty loose with this when we only have two people so I'll give you plenty of time but you know, without any time restrictions, why don't you walk us through your past week in watching, playing, reading? Alrighty. Yeah, I have I have a pretty light watch week, but I have some games to throw in at the end, so I should fill up the time nicely. Uh, but to get right into it, I've been keeping up with the latest episodes of What We Do in the Shadows as they've been releasing. Um, so I just caught last week's, and one of the best episodes yet i was laughing probably like every minute or two like out loud and i'm not talking you know that little like (laughs) that little blow out the nose laugh i'm talking you know like we're worried the neighbors are going to come pounding on our doors type laughing um so anyway i've said it a million times go watch some fucking what we do in the shadows it's so good while you're at it, if you have HBO Max, also check out Wellington Paranormal. It's a spin-off series set in the same universe. Um, it's maybe not as good through and through as what we do in the shadows, but it's still pretty damn good. Um, they're both really funny, both kind of a similar mockumentary style of comedy. And, uh, you know, kind of like there, there's some bits of like dark and creepiness thrown in with just, you know, absolutely goobery lightheartedness. Really love both of those. Uh, besides that, I've continued my watch through of Survivor. I skipped around a little bit. Um, I haven't been doing every season because Hulu is missing episodes from certain seasons, and I refuse to watch an episode where they don't show the or watch a season where they don't have the first episode because I need to know who my outcasts are. Like, why would I even watch it <laughs> if I have to, you know, like, you know, hop in and try and figure out who everyone is on the second episode? It's nonsense. So anyway skipped all the seasons that don't have the uh, first episode and I'm on to season 11 now which I'm enjoying pretty well so far I also skipped a little bit ahead and uh, watched the first episode or the first two episodes actually of season 20 as part of a drinking game with some friends I have over and I have to say didn't realize it as a child but Survivor makes for great uh, drinking game viewing there's a lot of things you can, you know, make a rule in your drinking game, and everyone will be pretty tipsy at the end and having a great time. So anyway, 
that's a long way of saying, yeah, Survivor's really good, as if anyone didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, you, if you've lived in America for the past 20 years, you know Survivor's, like, part of the culture now. Um, besides that, got a couple movies in. Um, a couple of them were kind of background watches. I was doing something else, but I wanted to throw them out there. Um, so first of all, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone had that one on in the background. I'm not a Harry Potter fan at all, but these movies do have a lot of style and they're kind of cozy to watch. Like, I don't think I'd recommend like sitting down and like really immersing yourself in this movie as an adult. Um, like just not, just not super for me. This story is not that compelling, but as a uh, background piece, fantastic. Uh, just great, great mood piece. Um, so anyway, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And did you watch fun. the entire thing, Hank? Not just the last 30 minutes? Yeah, this time, uh, front to back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Though uh, it was a similar situation where like, my girlfriend put it on, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to set up my games in the corner and play some PlayStation. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyway, watch that. Also watched through uh, the, Dun the Dunwich Horror which is a 60s or 70s adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's uh, short story of the same name. I'm a huge fan of the short story. Um, I don't think it translated well to film at all. That said, there are some pretty good high points of this movie. Uh, it's, it's like pretty campy. Um, it will make you laugh out loud, despite that I don't think being the intent. And also, surprisingly good soundtrack. Um, I really enjoyed pretty much all of the music throughout the movie. But yeah, I mean, if you, if you want something actually creepy, should probably go read the original. And even then, uh, you know, only read it if you can uh, really separate the art from the artist, because I think it's uh, common knowledge at this point that H.P. Lovecraft was kind of a trash person. Um, but yeah, besides that, I also watched uh, the, the movie we're reviewing today, Wolf Children, and I watched Paper Tigers for the first time. Uh, and since we're not doing a review of that quite yet, we're just interviewing the director, and I think we'll do a review at a future date, I just want to say this movie is totally worth your time to watch. Um, it's, you know, if you, if you like kung fu movies at all, it's got, like, some good action in it. But it's also pretty surprisingly funny. You know, like, it's got some real heart to it. The characters have good chemistry. Um, and they mix that comedy in with kind of the... Uh, some of like the kung fu movie tropes plus it's set in seattle and they do a pretty convincing job of it you know everything from people uh drinking their bodhisattvas to you know wearing soundgarden t-shirts like it's just kind of nice to see your, ho your hometown represented um so paper tigers is pretty cool a uh, couple last call outs i want to i, I want to throw in here these aren't movies or tv but uh this week, the Castlevania Advance Collection just released, I believe for all platforms. It's a collection of all the Castlevania games that came out on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, big part of my childhood, I love my Game Boy Advance. I actually still have it in a drawer somewhere. Um, but it's been nice uh, getting a chance to kind of go back through those games. I think they've aged really well. The art uh, from that Game Boy Advance era of games looks really cool to my modern eye. Uh, and they're not that clunky. So if you like, uh, you know, those Game Boy Advance kind of side-scroller Metroidvania games, give that a check out. It's like 20 bucks for the whole collection. You get two really good games uh, and two worth-the-visit type games, um, which I think is a pretty great deal for, for 20 bucks. 
And then also, on my PlayStation 5, I just beat Demon's Souls, and oh man, I can't believe I missed out on this all these years. It was so fucking good. Uh, it caused me to actually reconsider my entire ranking of the, the Soulsborne games from FromSoft. Um, and I don't know, maybe that'll be a Patreon, uh, you know, me just like re-ranking my games. But, uh, I, I, you know, quick spoiler, it didn't take my top spot, but it, dis it did displace everything from three on down. So. Wow. Yeah. What's, what's uh, the bottom of the list real quick? Uh, Dark Souls 2. Okay. Yeah, yeah, don't ever hear much about that. So that I mean, it, it, it's it's a good game, but it's not a great game. And every other game in the series sure. is a great game. So, yeah, yeah. Tough luck, Dark Souls Two. But anyway, <laughs> if you have a PS Five, check out Demon Souls. Hell, if you have a PS Three, check out Demon Souls because that's where it was born. Um, yeah, and that's my uh, that's my watch week. Wow, nice, a good amount of stuff in there, man. How? Uh... So this PS5, are you enjoying it? I think you got this last week. Oh, yeah. I am loving the PS5. Um, I had one of those weekends where I was like, Haley, I don't want to do anything. I just want to be with my baby. Um, and I played a lot of <laughs> PS5. And uh, you can I leave. Think I, actually, yeah, I think I actually got it two weeks ago. But anyway, managed to beat Demon Souls. Now I'm playing Deathloop, which I'm a pretty big fan of. Um, very stylish. Uh, if you like Dishonored, it's, it's, it's worth playing. But yeah, the PS5 is sick. Um, everything runs yeah. smoothly. Everything loads fast. The the new controller is really cool. I love the adaptive triggers. Uh, nothing bad to say about the PS5 for me. Oh, so baller. So baller. I, I, I do have to say I'm a little jealous, but uh, I got an Xbox Series S, and I do really like Games Pass. It's I, I feel like for, what is it, 15 bucks a month? So you get live and you get a bunch of games. So I actually haven't had the urge to buy anything outside of Games Pass, except for, like, maybe Tales of Arise. Um, but, yeah, those PS5s are so baller. Oh, man, I've had my eyes on Tales of Arise. I don't want to take up this whole episode with, uh, with video <laughs> game talks. Yeah, but uh, I just want to say it looks so good, but it also looks like maybe a little bit too anime for me. I love anime, okay. but I've just had such like hit or miss luck with it actually translating well to the realm of games. Um, yeah. You know, especially like dialogue heavy stuff. You know, sometimes those translations, I don't know if it's the original tone of the writing or it's a uh, product of the translation, but some of those games I play them and I'm like, ugh, it's, give me yeah. anything else. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll get us that much closer to talking about more anime um, by getting through my what I've been watching. <laughs> um, so I was a little bit lighter this week um, than you were, but still had a good amount of things I got through. Um, like Hank, I, I watched Paper Tigers. This is actually my second time watching it. I did watch it uh, a while ago as well. Um, obviously, I really, really love this movie. Um, I think this is a, a certified rotating reel stamp of approval from all three hosts that we think this movie is a lot of fun. Um, again, I lived in Seattle for a couple years with these guys. Really, these guys being the co-hosts. Sorry. Um, but anyways, I, I definitely have an attachment to Seattle. So always really fun to see people, you know, very much being set there. Um, and yeah, it's just a really funny movie. I think there's, you know, they're working on a small budget, but they get a lot done with that budget. So total blast. Um, and it's super easy to watch. It's on Netflix. Um, so if you have a subscription, it's such an easy recommendation. Um, and then I talked about last week where my girlfriend introduced me to two of her favorite 90s movies. Um, and so I decided to swap out, take my turn, introduce her to one of my favorite 90s movies, and then a really bad 90s movie to ensure that I never get to pick movies ever again. Um, 
But we did a double feature, and the first movie was the original uh, Scream by, oh my god, who, Wes Craven, um, the original 1996 version. Not the show or any of the sequels or anything, or the MTV remakes, but uh, yeah, we watched the original one with Drew Barrymore, um, Matthew uh, Dillard, really, really fun horror movie. Um, I definitely don't think I'm as much of a horror fan as Hank, but I do really like the horror genre, and I think it's so fun that even back in 96, there was such this like self-awareness of the horror genre and people that like horror and what it is that we as a society take away from horror, um, and I just think it's a really, really fun movie. Matthew Dillard is like an absolute blast. I really like him as Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. He was in the new third season of Twin Peaks. I think he's phenomenal there, Uh, and I just think this movie is an absolute blast. So Scream's on HBO, and this is an easy wreck as well. Hank, do you you like this original Scream? Oh yeah, I I, I like, you know, I'm a pretty big Scream fan. It's it's just like uh, horror soup, you know, you eat it and you're like, (laughs) oh, there's everything I like in one big old... Yeah, one big bowl of horror. Fills your belly. Um, yeah, it's cozy. <laughs> and so uh, I decided to pair that in our double feature with something really bad, which is the first scary movie, because I knew that this was in some ways kind of a shot-for-shot remake in its parody of Scream. And I think later scary movies really get out there, and they really take this whole like uh, family guy fart comedy, like really shitty early 2000s turn later on. Uh, but I think th- this movie didn't really feel like it was going to be spawning much of a franchise, and I feel like it wanted to be this one-off kind of parody of Scream. But it's so funny because Scream in and of itself is a parody of horror films, and it's like you have this direct kind of like loving satire in Scream, which pays like really beautiful direct homage to a lot of horror slasher from the 80s, and then you have like its cheap, shitty imitation from <laughs> 2000, which is just this very weird, still very gross-out, humory, uh, kind of really distasteful movie. Um, and I think there's there's some really fun stuff here. Anna Faris is, you know, this is one of her earliest roles, and I think she's a lot of fun here. But this movie did not age well. There's Officer Doofy, who is meant to be a stand-in for Officer Dewey. Uh, he's playing someone with, with a learning disability in a pretty distasteful way. A lot of homophobia, a lot of coded racism in this movie. Um, and it's funny because I remember being young and thinking this movie was, was pretty funny back in the day. And through a 2021 lens, it's, uh, it's really not much, man. This is not a movie that I would ever feel like I have to revisit. Um, with the exception of the scene where everyone picks up the phone and goes, what's up? I think that's... <laughs> what's up? That is that is that is like a time capsule of, of the early 2000s. So, you know, maybe revisit it for that one 45-second sequence. But outside of that, I don't <laughs> think it offers much of substance at all. Um, and then the last thing that I did is I am... I want to say four or five episodes into uh, Mike Flanagan's new Netflix show, Midnight Mass... Um, this is something that I had only heard about, but I like I found out about its production pretty late uh, after it had, it had finished shooting. And so I, I found out about this like two weeks ago, and I was super stoked. I really like um, Haunting of Hill House. I really like Doctor Sleep, um, Oculus. A lot of Mike Flanagan stuff I think is some really good kind of modern horror. So I was stoked for this. I, I think he has a really good relationship with Netflix, and I think they let him, you know, just kind of run buck wild with his crazy ideas for horror series and uh, it's not disappointing at all man I, uh, I'm i sure Hank will have a take on this if he's excited for it or if he's already watched it but I was uh, I was a little nervous because it's 
I heard not great things about Haunting of Bly Manor, uh, but this is really good. It's uh, I, I'm really not going to talk about much of the plot at all, just because it's pretty spoilery. But man, this is a he's back in top form, and it's this very there's this very focused look at a small small town and uh it, it explores you know the religion of those people and um how those religion how those you know religious beliefs push them into mania and you know how rumors spread through these small areas um, and in a way i think it's almost kind of twin peaksy and how surreal and kind of spooky it gets uh, but my big complaint so far is i think with a lot of these like these uh, very like horror focused or thriller focused small town shows, there's always a lot of like breaks so we can see these people enjoying their day to day lives. Like my favorite part of Twin Peaks is all the coffee and pie stuff and all the like Agent Dale Cooper bullshitting around the town. Uh, and this movie, this, or this show doesn't really ever take a breath and it's kind of moving from horror sequence to horror sequence and like slow exposition, uh, you know, just kind of bouncing back and forth between the two. Uh, not that I think any less of it, but I do wish that it had a little bit of downtime, especially given that it's seven hour long episodes. There is like a lot of film to be, you know, used up by some some more kind of casual fun stuff. So I do wish that there was some some brevity to break up a lot of the the kind of gothic horror. But all in all, I'm really enjoying this. Hank, is this like something you've thought about watching? Yeah, it's on my radar and I really want to watch it, but I'm being kind of cautious um, because... You know, I, I know everyone liked Haunting of Hill House, and I did when I first watched it, but I tried to go back to it about two months ago and give it another watch through, and I couldn't make it through the first episode. Um, really? When I first watched it, I was just, like, really depressed, and I think I needed something to do, um, so I made oh, no. it through. But on a rewatch, I did not like it at all. I thought the acting was bad. I thought the cinematography was just kind of, like, a pop mess. Um soundtrack was all right but yeah no I, like i said couldn't even make it through the first episode watched the first episode of the haunting of bly manor and decided never to even try it again um, okay but i have liked other stuff that flanagan's done so i really want this to be good the premise looks really interesting but i'm just like ah oh, am i gonna make it through yeah that's fair i and, and i guess i haven't seen bly manor i i wouldn't I think you should probably take my enjoyment as it, of it as like its own clue as to whether or not you'll like it because I think I think you and I like different parts of horror so I would I would assume that your skepticism is is probably fairly placed. Um, I, I still think there's a lot to like here and I think uh, given given what I know about the things that you like in horror and some of the kind of machinations that you like, I think there's a lot for you to like in the second half. But I would be lying if I said the first half wasn't a little slow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll see if I can make some time for it. I am definitely interested. Um, and, you know, I'd love to see Mike Flanagan do well. You know, like, yep. when a director wins, we all win. I never want a movie to be bad. So, yeah. Especially, yeah. you know, someone who has such a high-profile contract with a streamer, right? Like, you know, you can get shitty streaming movies left and right by people who are just getting cash and checks. But if there's, there's someone that really wants to... You know, give it their all and put a passion project out there on a streaming service with such a big contract. You got to respect that. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I really respect what he's doing for the genre as a whole, even if I'm not, you know, super enjoying everything he puts out. It's sure. nice to see there be some like big budget horror series out there. Uh, yeah. You know, it, uh, I, I think it makes more room uh, kind of like in the mainstream streaming service kind of ecosystem for horror in general. And I'm into that. Give me more yeah. horror. Please, just keep making it. 
Uh, yeah. More is never enough. But uh, I guess we'll, we'll kind of pivot from that and move on from horror and move into the main review. So, um, again, I, this is a Keegan week. I, I picked the movie, uh, and I picked Wolf Children, which Taylor, funnily enough, thought when he looked it up that we were watching Princess Mononoke because he saw a wolf and a woman on the poster um, and thought that that's what we were going to be doing. Uh, but we are not watching the Miyazaki movie. We are watching a much more uh, modern anime movie directed by a director who's made movies such as The Girl Who Left Through Time and Mirai. Uh, and he also was at Cannes this year with his movie Bell. Uh, and he's just a very kind of interesting person to keep eyes on. So uh, I obviously love this movie a lot. I recommended it. I believe it came out in 2012 and I watched it much closer to then. Um, and watching it again yesterday, it just felt uh, just as beautiful and, and, and great as I had remembered it. So uh, I will give my thoughts later, but Hank, uh, given this is your first time watching this and knowing that you are a fairly big anime fan, how did you feel about Wolf Children? Uh, can you repeat that last bit? My connection cut out, but I think I... Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, given that you are a fairly big anime fan, and I think we've, uh, we're have we often on the same page with a lot of anime movies, how did you feel about this uh, without going through any spoilers? Yeah, so keeping it spoiler-free, um, you know, Keegan, you've said that you think you've found uh, the movies that you know really click with me, and I think you've gotten good at it, but this wasn't one of them. <gasps> um, yeah, and to be clear, I, I just want to preface this by saying I think this is a really good movie uh, for some people. Um, you know, the, the 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 music is phenomenal throughout. I think the music is really good. Uh, some of the animation is really beautiful. Um, honestly, I was not a big fan of the character art, but all of the backgrounds looked phenomenal. Um, but there just wasn't enough going on here for me. Um, it was... Uh, Kind, kind, uh, kind of a boring movie for me, actually. Uh, it, 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 I, I, I kept on uh, just kind of like waiting for something bad to happen, um, and you know, th that's it's not to say that there's not anything bad that happens throughout the movie. You know, there's there's definitely some ups and downs in the plots, but a lot of the movie was just kind of a bit too slice of lifey for me, which isn't something that ever really works for me. Um, also. Uh, so the, 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 the human wolf characters, a bit too reminiscent of fursonas for me. Um, <laughs> the, the, the art looked uh, very familiar. Um, so yeah, anyway, I think that there's a lot this movie did right. If you're really into kind of, you know, like sap, sappy, warm-hearted movies, I think this movie does a lot of right for that audience. But, uh... I like something a bit darker. I, I, I uh, you know, I, I, I can do something a bit lighter uh, now and again, but uh, th this isn't really my sort of light tone. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say very pretty, very beautiful. A lot of it's well done. Wasn't for me. You know what? I actually, I, I can't say I'm too surprised. I think, uh, I think it's a very beautiful movie. I think you're right in that. And I actually had forgotten how just wonderful this score is. Um, and I, that wasn't something that stuck out to me when I watched it on first watch. Uh, I didn't have a globally famous podcast at the time, so I wasn't paying attention to such things as closely. Uh, but now with my, <laughs> you know, Roger Ebert eyes, I was watching things much more closely, listening much more closely. And yeah, that score, man, that's it's it's a beautiful score. Uh, but I think you're yeah, right. I will I think... say the score, the score really blew me away. Um, like I think I'm kind of lukewarm on the movie, but I would listen to the sure. score again. 
it's I think if you're listening if you, if you want something like you know just a pure score like just music no no lyrics or anything you're studying you're going for a nice drive I think it's yeah man you can't you can't do much better um, but yeah I think it looking back on it after I rewatched it a second time I was just thinking on the reasons why I think this movie is so impactful for me and I think what I love about this movie so much is it's it's a beautiful montage and retrospect on a life a beautiful life lived with others and kind of the joy that comes of this kind of crazy twisted life that we all live with one another and being able to experience that through other people and primarily being able to experience that through you know your immediate family um, and watching things change watching seasons change watching one another grow older having new experiences and adapting to the world um, and I, I do think that in a way is a very sappy kind of uh, you know almost Disney-esque family movie type lesson uh, or I guess theme but yeah I, th I think that's a theme that hits much more strongly with me than I think it would with you um, and I agree right like the anime movies I've recommended in the past often don't share these themes and they're often much more quickly paced um, so I, I can't begrudge you for not enjoying that aspect at all because uh, for someone that isn't into that I could see how it'd be a little bit of a bore but uh, myself personally I'm, I'm an absolute sucker for this um, I love family dramas I you know I cried many, many times watching this the first time, um, and I was just absolutely in tears the second time uh, watching it yesterday. And I knew everything that happened. Um, <laughs> and I was, I, you know, it's so funny, I actually found myself crying at non-plot things. Like, there's a sequence where, um, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but the, the two main children in this movie are half wolf, half human, and they can transform back and forth at will. Um, and there's a sequence where after they've moved out to the countryside, they wake up one morning and it's there's fresh snow and they've never seen snow before, never seen it in the countryside where they can just roam freely as wolves. And there's a scene where the two wolf children are just running through the woods, enjoying it, you know, feeling the fresh snow. Their mom's running alongside them. And I was I was just in tears, Hank. I couldn't stop my tears from flowing. Um, and I think from about the, uh, the uh, third act on, I was just a mess throughout. So... Uh, I love this movie. I'm a very sentimental person, so I think it, it hits on all the things that I'm looking for in an anime, but I can see why it wouldn't for you. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's not to say that it, like, completely didn't land for me. Sure, um, sure, sure. You know, you know, like, it wasn't really, like, something I would pick out. It was an enjoyable way to spend a couple hours. You know, it was really beautiful. It wasn't, like, offensive or anything. Um it's just, you know, if someone asked me, you know, like, Hank, you can watch uh, a movie tonight. You can go back to this or you can go back to Akira. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to pick Akira every time. And that's just who I am. Um, I don't expect that would be the case for everyone. Sure, um, sure, sure. Significantly yeah. le less, uh, you know, uh, shots of downtown Tokyo and neon. Um, which is why I recommended uh, Ghost in the Shell. So I'm, I'm into that too. But uh, before we move into spoilers, I, I realized that we completely dumped this this little tradition once we got Taylor back on the show. But um, what is something that you saw in this movie that you think is something you hadn't seen before? And what is something that you wish you could change to make your enjoyment a little bit better? Um, let, let me think on that for a second. Okay. Uh, so I'm done thinking. Uh, I, I took my second. Um, anyway, uh, I, I think I would say that one thing I don't think I've seen done before, or at least I don't think I've seen done so well before, is the transformations uh, from wolf to human and back again. 
Um, I've seen a lot of stuff that has people transforming, and I feel like it's either just like, you know, like a flash, like they basically don't animate it, or it's some Sailor Moon bullshit where it's just like this whole breakaway where they just like focus on every little body part that's changing. Um, and I don't really care for either of those, but I think the transformations from Wolf to Human and back again in this movie were super fluid, and they would happen, you know, like in frame sometimes. And it looked really, really cool. And I liked all the stuff they did They did with it. Like, they were able to show kind of changing moods with it. And I think it worked really well. Whoever animated that, um, I wasn't a huge fan of the character animation throughout, but the transformation sequences specifically, phenomenal. Um, and normally, I'm not really into that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, good work, guys. Um, something that I would have changed... Uh, it's a good question. Um, and it's a little bit difficult, I think, to say without spoiling the movie. But uh, I, I, I guess in a, in a broad sense, I would have had there be a little bit more like of an event focus in the movie than just kind of like a mon... The, the whole movie feels like a really pretty montage. And I, I, I could have dealt with, you know, maybe a couple more like specific events in their lives that we focused in on. Um, and we didn't get a lot, a lot of that. Um, so I, I, I probably would have made this movie a little bit more plot heavy. Uh, sure. That, that would have been a, a substantial change, but I think that's what it needed to be like a real Hank movie. Uh, but yeah. right back at you. What, what's something that you really loved about this movie or that you haven't seen before? What's something you'd change? Yeah, so I I feel like this has come up when we were talking earlier, but one thing that I think is so great about this movie is its use of sequences that have no exposition and no dialogue at all. Um, and I could see how it would be a point that some people might not like, but really there are entire sequences where, you know, the characters will move to a new home or we're showing the passage of time from, you know, toddlers to preschool age children and it's just a montage played over a score and we're just watching people interact right and there's there's all these sequences that are just completely score no dialogue except for random voices here and there but you'll see like you know long pans over an apartment building and you'll take a minute and zoom in and see a man being chased by a puppy or you know see school kids getting ready to leave for their day um, and it's just all these really great little vignettes and, and looks into people's you know daily life um which I think does a great job of taking kind of the mundane and just accelerating it and, and showing it for how beautiful it really is. So I really, really like those montage sequences, and I think they're done in a way that doesn't feel jarring at all, and they feel, uh, given the fact that we have a narrator for this movie who is a main character and she's kind of giving a retrospect on these events, it feels like you can imagine someone kind of sitting back and like ruminating on these thoughts as opposed to them like, you know, explicitly saying these are the events that happened, right? This is, they take a pause and they think back on this is what it felt like to them as opposed to, you know, saying what it was like. Um, and then the thing that I would change is... And I, I feel like I'm going to look like an ass for saying this, but I actually think we could do with a little less plot. And I, I, I like the idea that it's being narrated by the, the main character of the girl. Um, but I do think in a way, just having that primary narrator so early on alludes us to the fact that there are going to be substantial changes in their life or their family dynamic by the time we get to the end of the movie. Um, and I think the events that follow are perfectly natural. And I think 
they they fit with the themes of the movie of families changing and evolving and people accepting the changes that people take. Um, but I do think that early on you kind of get this sinking suspicion that things are going to be pretty different by the end of it. And I almost wish that we could have just watched that unfold naturally. Um, and I, I go back and forth on whether or not I think the narration was essential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. you know, I don't think I necessarily agree with you. Um Though I will say that I think the movie could have been well served by kind of going in either of the directions we suggested, either more plot or more montage. Um, So I don't think, you know, what you're saying, even though it goes in direct opposition to what I said, um, is incorrect at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I I like both versions of the movie. I I guess all three. I like the original and I like the two that we just chatted through. So, um yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot of good points. I like the fact that uh, this wasn't entirely for you, but I think it seems like you got some stuff from it. So, uh, again, I think this is a very plot... Well, no, I wouldn't say very. I think this movie has some plot details that we probably want to uh, keep from the audience, and I think you know the movie benefits by not knowing some of these later plot points. So we're going to move into spoilers now. Um, and so, again, if you don't care about spoilers, feel free to continue. But I think this movie benefits from going in blind. Um, and maybe you've already watched the movie. And if so, feel free to continue on with us. But I think we are fully now in spoiler territory. All right. And with that, we are back. We are in full spoiler territory. Uh, bladders empty. Head full of thoughts about the, the ending of Wolf Children. Right. We are in top-notch form to go through spoilers. Uh, so, Hank, let's, uh, let's, let's get into some plot stuff, man. I think there's a... Uh, before we, we get into the ending, which I think is the big thing I really want to talk about and obviously kind of the emotional centerpiece of this movie, what did you think about the romance between the mom and the kind of titular wolf? Uh, well, I guess titular would be the wolf children, but the, the wolf part of the wolf children and their whole meeting, their meet cute in the college and their, their you know, short-lived romance. Yeah, you know, that... It, it got me off to a cold start. It was honestly after that that uh, I started to get something from the movie. I don't like meat cutes. They don't land for me uh, ever. I, it's just <laughs> not really something uh, I have experience with. You know, maybe they happen, but just like I'm, 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 I'm like, uh, who cares? Um, I don't. Um, and uh, anyway, I, I, I was actually. Spoiler alert, the wolf dies. Um, That's like one of the major plot points in the movie. And I was actually really happy when he died um, because, first of all, it meant that there was actually like some kind of stakes in the plot. Um, You know, like if he had just survived and lived the whole time, I I don't know if I could have made it through the movie. It would have just been like too sappy. Nothing bad ever happens. Um, But, you know, he finally dies. I'm like, okay, we're getting somewhere. And the the plot started to actually have some weight for me. So the actual meeting the wolf, the mother meeting him, having the children with him did nothing for me. It really didn't appeal to me. It was just too sappy for me and not not full of tropes that I care about. Um, but the movie started to kind of get going for me uh, when he died. Wow, that's a that's very interesting. I I agree that I think of of the relationships that we see throughout the movie. I actually think this is one of the less strong ones. And I think, you know, the focal center of this movie is between the mother and her children. And I think, you know, the dad, for better or for worse, is there just to kind of give her a ground and to also to you know 
bring into existence these children. Um, and I agree. I think he's, you know, you said it isn't as tropey as you'd like, but I do think the the male character and his gruffness and his facial hair and his, his kind of, you know, his a little oh. bit of distance towards the main character is very tropey. Uh, were you saying something? What? I was actually saying that it was tropey, but not full of tropes that I like. It was full of tropes that I am tired of. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, okay. There you go. And I agree. I, I think, well, I, I partially agree. I think that, like, it's it's not an entirely new uh, way of meet cute for anime. Uh, but one thing I did think was really interesting about their relationship is that while it's not graphic or, you know, explicit in any way, I do think anime often tends to, like a lot of Japanese media, shy away from putting the characters in any kind of sexual um encounter in any way unless it's used for like a joke or a plot point of giving the main character a nosebleed and so i do really appreciate that while it is weird that the the you know partner is in wolf form when they have sex i do think it's nice that we're seeing this kind of adult approach to you know an adult relationship which also contains two consenting adults having sex in a completely you know you know nice and romantic manner i think like that approach was really well portrayed um and i like you said i wasn't happy when the dad died i was pretty torn up uh, but i do one thing i look back on really positively is how just emotionally destructive that scene is when you know she hasn't seen her her boyfriend husband partner whatever they are she goes out and she sees a dead wolf in the canal and you know his body this person she loves so much is just being thrown away by pest control in a you know a plastic trash bag just completely with no emotion not in any way that you would treat a human because they don't know that that's you know the love of her life and it's i th- i thought it was just such a horrible horrible sequence that it was just gut-wrenching, and listening to her cry was so tough on me. Like, I know you said you were happy that it introduced some stakes, but as far as the scene itself and the way it was was shot, did that was that impactful to you at all? I think that if I had developed any attachment to either of the characters, it, it might have been. Um, but like I said, the, the opening sequence just really failed to grab me. Um, and at that point, I was honestly just kind of waiting for something to happen. <laughs> um, and then it did. So, yeah, like, I, 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 to be clear, I actually think it, it, like, it was a good sequence. Like, the, the, the audio, you know, between her crying and the soundtrack was really strong. Um, the animation was uh, actually, I think, some of the best animation in the film. Um, but emotionally, this wasn't the one to get me. <laughs> Did I stun you into silence? Fair enough, fair enough. All right. I, I understand that, that. I think that's completely fair. Um, and I think the, the other... Oh. For the viewers at home, uh, this is just a little window into what Taylor and I feel every week um, with Hank and his gas station uh, internet plan. Apparently... He pays cash to some guy in a parking lot every month, and that's how he gets his internet. So uh, we deal with these outages on a weekly basis. It's, you know, you back? I'm back. Sorry. My internet is uh, provided by Comcast. You're muted. I think you're back. Yeah, I'm back. Um, Yeah, my internet is provided by Comcast, so 
It's shit. Okay. Did, oh, did you hear me saying that? I was talking a lot of shit in the recording. Oh, no, I did not. Okay, that'll be a nice little gift for <laughs> when you're editing. <laughs> All right. So you said that you didn't... It, I guess I'll, I'll jump in after you. So it was like you... It wasn't that... You know, the scene itself was shot well, but you didn't feel too attached to either character, so it didn't hit that hard. Yeah, exactly. Um, th this movie, I think it was a objectively a good movie, but I did not form an emotional bond with anything in it. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Um, all right, so are you saying throughout the movie? Because I guess I won't bother with a follow-up on that. Like, any character, be it the children as they you know, are going through their formative experiences, as you got adults and children, did any of that hit with you, or were you always kind of removed from that? Yeah, you know, I, I, it actually pains me. Like, I really want to be like, yeah, Keegan, like, some, one part of this really made me feel. <laughs> but it didn't. The, the, the biggest reaction I had was to the soundtrack. I was pretty emotionally invested in how good it was. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to beat a dead horse, and this is one of the things that I want to talk about. Uh, but, you know, kind of knowing where your take is on this. That final sequence, and we've spent the entire, the most of the movie now at this point, kind of learning to understand these young, these young people mind, young people's minds, um, and you know which direction they want to lean, be it wolves or humans. Watching their experiences as they grow up and how you know they feel about themselves, um, and we very early on start to see that you know Yuki, the young girl, very much wants to be a human and she wants to be a part of society and go to school and she enjoys learning and being around other humans. Um, whereas Ame, the the brother who's a little younger, obviously wants to be a part of the animal kingdom, and from a young age he starts building this relationship with the fox in the in the woods who he calls sensei or teacher and learns a lot about the natural world through um and so you know as the movie progresses and they get older they just increasingly become more attached to their different sides of their halves until eventually in the end we go through a major storm everything goes to shit you know the the daughter is stranded at school the mother is out in the woods looking for her son um, and the son has gone off to try to protect the forest and work with the other spirits um, to protect them from this huge storm that's coming through. And at the very end, we see that the son makes the, the conscious decision to go out and live his life entirely as a wolf uh, because his sensei died, he got hurt, uh, his leg is injured, and he's not going to recover. And so now there's a gap in the natural ecosystem of, you know, a canine leader for their spirits out there. And so he's going to fill that gap and, you know, take that mantle it's very beautiful and he can tell that his mother's hurting but she can tell that he made the right decision he runs up the mountain and he howls and his mother kind of comes to terms with the fact that this is his choice and this is where he's meant to be it's very beautiful the soundtrack that we've been talking about this whole review is at full blast it's just the most emotional it's ever going to be and i think the movie's at its most emotional point and even then hank you, you didn't feel any kind of attachment to it at all yeah, you know, it, it didn't move me at all, but I actually will kind of congratulate this whole kind of like human or wolf plot line that the siblings go through because I did appreciate that they kind of hit you with a misdirect on it. Um, when they first move out to the countryside, uh, Yuki is, you know, very into going out into nature and Ame is very like, oh, I want to stay home. 
And to me, it seemed like kind of a reversal when Yuki decided to be human and Ame decided to stay in the woods as a wolf. Um, and I did really appreciate that. But, you know, when the decision was made, I, I, I wasn't tearing up. I was kind of like, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. He, he hasn't, you know, been going to school for years. He really will probably not be very successful as a human. Like, checks out. Ugh. All right. Well, I guess <laughs> I won't push you anymore on this topic. Uh, I think, you know, this is a, a very clear agree to disagree. Uh, and I, I think we felt different, you know, levels of emotion during these sequences. So I'm glad that there was something you took from it, if if anything at all. Um, so is there anything on your mind that you want to call out as being particularly good or bad? I feel like you are just kind of firmly on the neutral plant on this one. Um, I mean, I feel like I sound more neutral than I feel. Like, I really did appreciate, uh, especially the the environment art they did, like kind of like the, the shots of the forest and the countryside was really beautiful to look at. Um, also, I've said it a million times now, but the score is really fantastic. And I just say that, you know, the, the story of the movie didn't really work for me because I think it relies on kind of a level of emotional investment that I really, really struggle to reach with any movie. Um, but that's not to say that it, I, like, I, I, I don't think that I am like the average movie consumer here. You know, I, I think that there are more people that would be prone to crying um, than people that would be like me and be like, finally, the dad fucking died. Um, so yeah, I, I, I did enjoy the movie. I'm glad I watched it, um, but I don't think it's like a movie that I would recommend to someone who is as dead inside as I am. Sure. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, all right. With that, I think there's there's one more thing I wanted to bring us out with, um, and that's kind of a, more of a meta and, and a conversation about the director, Mamoru, Mamoru Hosoda. Uh, again, I feel like I always trip up on his name, so apologies. But uh, he's directed a ton of movies that I feel like are, are pretty big in the anime sphere, so Summer Wars, Mirai, The Girl Who Left Through Time, and recently, again, like I said earlier, he attended Cannes this year with his film Bell. Uh, and he came under fire during an interview at his time at, at Cannes this year um, for a quote that he gave where he was talking about an unnamed, hyper-famous anime director in Japan. So clearly he was talking about Hayao Miyazaki. Um, and he was kind of dissenting that filmmaker and saying that oftentimes he feels that that director shows young girls or women in his plots uh, in a way that is not servicing to the women and strips them of a lot of their autonomy. Um, and he, you know, very, you know, audibly stepped out as, as a huge feminist and how he always chooses female characters for his plots. And he always wants to write authentic women in his movies. Um, and so while I, I do disagree with his take on Miyazaki, and I think Miyazaki writes strong women uh, for the most part, you know, I, I think in the past with our conversation about Porco Rosso, we had some some ickiness about how some of the gr young girls were treated in Italy and whether or not that was just a product of the time and place or whether that was an opinion shared by the filmmaker. But all of this is to say that I think this director is very clearly interested in portraying women in a in a authentic and very passionate and strong way. And I think his his 
calling out of himself being a feminist as a director is very, very clear when you watch this movie, right? Mm -hmm. Both through the mother character who is, you know, this woman who loses her partner, drops her entire job and her schooling to take care of her children and to be a strong mother for them, but also just being this strong member of the community, or even the daughter who at times is strong-headed and sticks up for what she believes in and is always, you know, very vocal and, and, and very prominent in her ideas. I think the portrayal of women, especially in anime movies, can leave a lot to be desired, and I think I really appreciated that about this movie. And knowing that this director is so outspoken about that stuff really just kind of... It was very clear to see when I watched this on, on rewatch yesterday. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with all of that. And I actually, you know, I think there are some pretty valid criticisms of Miyazaki's treatment of women in his films. I'm a huge Studio Ghibli fan. Like, I'm not saying you shouldn't watch Miyazaki films. Um, but I, 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 don't, I don't think I've ever really watched a Miyazaki film and, and been, like, that impressed by, like, the autonomy of the female characters. Um, I don't yeah. know if that's necessarily like a glaring criticism because uh, I, I think it is valid to you know re represent you know th there there are women that need some help too and I don't think there's anything wrong with writing a plot uh, about a female character that needs some help um, but it's nice in this movie to see someone that has a bit more agency a little bit more of a of autonomy. Um, and so, yeah, I might not agree with everything that this guy's said about Miyazaki, but I do think that his uh, his portrayal of female characters uh, is really refreshing, especially in the anime world, uh, where you get like a lot of like upskirt shots for no reason and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, there we go. You know what? I'm gonna wrap this right now. Hank and I found common ground, which is so uncommon on this show. So we're just gonna cut the lights right there. Um, uh, again. <laughs> I will give you the opportunity now to rate this movie in in terms of the film itself. Give some lasting kind of you know final outros on what you thought about it. How would you rate this? Yeah, so this movie, I think it's pretty clear that it didn't completely land for me. Um, I don't think that's a uh, condemnation of the movie at all. I have you know kind of eclectic and eccentric tastes, um, but. The, the art is beautiful, the soundtrack is beautiful, it's just a bit slow for me and the plot didn't have me that interested. So I'm going to give a rating in terms of, you know, kind of my own enjoyment, how much I would recommend this to, to myself, you know, if I was able to recommend it and I hadn't seen it. Um, but even though my rating is, is going to be a little bit low, I just want to say, you know, if you've listened to this uh, review and you've been like, Hank, you're just a hard ass, you're just dead to the world, fuck you and your opinion, you should probably go watch the movie. Like, it's definitely worth <laughs> your time. It just wasn't super for me. Um, so with that said, I think I would give it, like, four out of six for Sona Daddies. Okay, I'll, I'll take a four out of six. I, I'm very happy with that review. I think uh, I, I've given your movies much worse, so I can I can sleep happy knowing that you gave it a six out of ten. And also, I love your idea of the person yelling at you who calls you pretentious and says you have too particular of taste because uh, that sounded like me when we reviewed Dark Song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know I don't blame him. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think this movie is much more to general taste than that movie is. But uh, yeah, well, if you want a fun episode, you should definitely listen to our dog song review um, for the last Hank week. But I'll tie us out with our thoughts on this movie. Um, obviously, you know, I recommended this movie. I thought that Hank and Taylor should watch it. Didn't know that Taylor was was incapable of, of reading shipping times and being able to, you know, order something basic through Amazon. But, you know, you want the best for your friends and you believe that they can. We all have our own weaknesses. (laughs) We can't all be perfect. But again, I'm very glad that Hank watched this movie, despite the fact that, you know, this was kind of a like not love for him. I think there is, you know, there are things that you watch and I think they expand your your understanding of a certain medium, and especially with anime, right? This Even if you watch a movie that you think is just okay, I think that makes you appreciate the movies that you really love that much more. And for me, I, I think this is one of those movies that I do truly love, and that I think every time I watch it just moves me just to the point of tears, um, and that I think is so beautiful and has you know some really, really wonderful musings on life and what it is to live, you know, in this small communes of, of families that we, we all share. So... It's a really, really beautiful movie. It always affects me. Um, and if I had to rate it, I would give it 9 out of 10 puppy teeth uh, <laughs> pretty pretty firmly. So thank you, everyone, if you made it this far. Uh, that was our review of Wolf Children. Um, and with that, we are actually moving into an A-week next week. We are actually going to be doing a series of A-weeks uh, because we are now firmly out of the summer blockbuster period. But with that, we are actually moving firmly into Oscar bait period. So we're going to be watching a lot of A-weeks in the upcoming months. Um, So just to prep you for that, I think the next Taylor week is coming up like four weeks from now. Um, But we are going to be watching a movie that actually won the Palme d'Or at at Cannes this year. Um, And that is Julia Ducournau's. Titan, and I apologize. I uh, French is probably like at the bottom of the list of languages that I can read well. So, uh, so apologies on butchering the director's name. Uh, but the the uh, plot synopsis on IMDb is as confusing as the trailer, and that is quote following a series of unexplained crimes, a father is reunited with the son who has been missing for ten years. Titan a metal highly resistant to heat and corrosion with high tensile strength alloys, end quote. (laughs) I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, For the fans that are still listening, I'll tell you right now how uh, next week's review is going to go. I'm going to come back and I'm going to be like, wow, this is really interesting. This is really transgressive. I was glued to the screen the whole time. And Keegan's going to be in here and he's going to be like, I felt dirty after watching this. I needed to take a bath for five (laughs) hours. Um, And anyway, and then Taylor's going to be like, wow, I think you're both overstating things. It's going to be a great review. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, every... uh Every movie that's not made by a major studio is basically uh, takes that general flow. So I don't think you're wrong at all in that. I was excited for this, reading press coverage for it, um, and then I watched the trailer, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to complain a lot next week. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess if you like our more uh, combative episodes, that'll probably be a good one. Um, and then, like I said earlier at the top of the episode... Again, if you've made it this far, thank you so much. Uh, We are going to be interviewing Bao Tran, the director of Paper Tigers, in exactly 48 minutes from now. Uh, All three of us really love that movie, and I think it's going to be a really fun conversation, not only about martial art movies, but about filming in the Pacific Northwest and his experience as a filmmaker. 
I'm super stoked to talk to him. I know Hank and Taylor are as well. Um, and with that, thank you guys so much for listening to this entire episode. We really appreciate it. See you later. Hank out.